Welcome to A Journey to Inner Wisdom. I'm Crystal Cotto Sullivan, your host of this podcast. I have been talking about the many facets of the journey to inner wisdom. And as this new year begins, I will continue to explore the many and varied ways that people search for and find wisdom. The journey takes many turns, and there are sometimes detours, invitations, forks in the road. Sometimes we are prepared, and sometimes we have choices to make, and sometimes we are asleep. In this podcast, I hope to talk with people on the journey about topics that will challenge us to go deeper and stretch further into the wisdom of this journey. We are all on a journey in this life, but it takes awareness and being awake to discover the wisdom in everyday life. As I reflect on the last year and the 12 months of the podcast, I am more aware now of what I'm looking for. So in the new year, I'm going to continue to explore the many roads that take us down the path of this journey to inner wisdom. I hope you will join me on this journey. Today, I'm excited to have a conversation with Andrea Peloso, restorative yoga teacher and trainer and a good friend of mine. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you, Crystal. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Andrea before we get into our conversation. Andrea is a featured teacher and writer with Yoga International. She's been offering teacher training in restorative yoga, as well as other important yoga themes across Canada and internationally for 15 years, and has been teaching yoga for 26 years. Andrea has an energetic, gentle, and caring teaching style and seeks to make her classes educational, clear, fun, and inclusive. I'm so glad to have you here today, Andrea. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. So I know we're going to talk about restorative yoga today, but first I would just like you to talk a little bit about your journey as it's not been just about yoga, has it? No, I mean, gosh, um, where would you like me to start? Um, I could start, Mm. I guess, teenage years when I encountered yoga. So I, um, I grew up in Alora, Ontario, and I've, and as Crystal mentioned, Crystal has actually been a, a friend, but also a family friend, but also a mentor, I feel like for almost my whole life. So this is, I was telling Crystal, it's my favorite interview that I'll ever do in a way, just because it's just <laughs> like getting to be with a really, it is getting to be with a really old friend at the same time. How, so, how old were you? Were you like nine? I think when I met you, I think or I was seven. actually, I think I was seven. Yeah, oh I was goodness. seven. Oh and, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So, so cool. So, um, I, when I was in high school, I think I was about maybe 15 and growing up in a small town, there's a very limited set of activities that young people usually engage in. And I Mm -hmm. think by the time I was 15, I was dead bored. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) So I wrote during the same week, a local, uh, the rural, the rural women's shelter program. So a local women's shelter program. Um, And I also then connected with a local yoga teacher. And of course, because it was such a small town, the two of them were like best friends with each other. (laughs) And I started doing both things. So I started practicing yoga, but I also started to engage a little more in my community and try to address issues that were um, important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are two of some of the threads that have, um, run through my life and continue to run through my life. And, um, I wound up just getting absolutely hooked on yoga and practicing it through most of my teenage years, just finding it very, Mm -hmm. very helpful and empowering. 
And then going to university and studying philosophy and um, women and gender studies. Um, and then after that, doing a teacher training in yoga. So um, though that has been a theme that's been interwoven, interwoven for me for a really long time. So that's kind of a beginning part of my journey. And, and, and what, what really, um, what was it that had you decide to do the teacher training? I was considering becoming a philosophy professor and I recognized that I needed a year off. I just felt mm -hmm. as though I was a little burnt out mm. and I was, I had gotten a job at a receptionist at Canada's largest yoga studio run by wonderful Helen Goldstein. So it was a huge yoga studio in downtown Toronto and I was working there as a receptionist and it just uh -huh. occurred to me I, that I needed something cool to do in that year and that it would probably make sense since I was already practicing yoga a lot to deepen my practice so that was cool. kind of what drew me into oh, cool. it so, yeah. so you were surrounded you were surrounded by by yoga all things yoga I was I was totally surrounded by all things yoga absolutely and meeting lots of different teachers and um, lots of really wonderful people in in Toronto that were kind of connected to that so yeah That's great cool so so it's interesting. Um, so you started out as a yoga teacher, and I know that there are many different types of yoga, and you are practicing or, and teaching now restorative yoga. So how is restorative yoga different than like Hatha yoga, Kundalini yoga, Yin, Hot, Nidra, and, and all the ones that I don't know about? Mm hmm So I started as an Ashtanga Vinyasa teacher, which is a very athletic very fun, athletic, very disciplined style of yoga. And I think in the process of doing all that, I realized that I was pretty tired. And <laughs> I met um, my teacher. Um, I've studied restorative yoga from a, a few different people, but really my main teacher, Judith Hanson Lasseter, who was teaching on the vertebral column, but also sharing about restorative yoga. And restorative yoga is really different, I would say, from all the other styles of yoga that we know of, you know, mm -hmm. we think of yin yoga, hatha yoga, Iyengar yoga. Well, I um, restorative yoga was invented by Iyengar yoga. So it's in there, hmm. but it's not an active physical practice. Um, it's a very, very supported, very, very comfortable practice that allows the student to move into a place of deep rest. And the goal is ease and comfort a wonderful pl place to prepare for pranayama or meditation, but from a Western perspective as well, a place to really balance out the nervous system. Mm. So this is a really great opportunity to go from a place of stress to a place of ease and to learn how to do that consistently in, um, many aspects of our life and many aspects of our days you know we can all relax sometimes but we can't always relax all the time or often mm -hmm. so um that's part of what restorative yoga does and i was just amazed when i first began to practice how helpful it was i think i was about 23 at the time and it radically help improve my health. Um, oh. I, I was getting sick much less. I was feeling much less grumpy. Um, my uh, eyesight improved. I don't know if you can, I could promise that everybody's eyesight will improve, but my eyesight improved. Um, and I think also my teacher's eyesight improved. So 
it's just this really, really wonderful, wonderful opportunity to give your body the chance to do what it wants to do, which mm. is to heal and come back into balance every single day. And, and, and we know that stress interferes with healing and our oh, body yeah. is, our body is built to be healthy, but mm-hmm. the stress, all that cortisol that we get roaming through our body is, is part of what really breaks it down, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's like kind of ironic that the chemicals, so we've got cortisol, epinephrine or, and norepinephrine. So epinephrine would be adrenaline and then mm-hmm. norepinephrine. That's what allows us to hyper-concentrate, but all of those things, they're all really useful for like running away from cro- crocodiles or, um, your boss is coming around the corner. So you minimize the cat video you were watching, or, <laughs> you know, your child is running too close to the edge of a pool. Mm. So you run and you grab them, you know, it's great that we've inherited these, you know, thousand, thousand, thousand year old systems, but we can't turn them off. And the the chemicals are very, very powerful. They last in our body. Usually once they've been emitted for up to 24 hours, if there's like a larger dose and then they feed off of each other. So we can go from being stressed to more stressed to more stressed, you know, in a circle. Ideally we, we have a chance to flip to the other side where we have this one wonderful chemical vagus nerve and all kinds of wonderful things called acetylcholine. So it's the parasympathetic nervous system. And that's in charge of us being happy, emotionally balanced, well-rested, fertile, fighting off our diseases, um, digesting our food properly. Um, It's just in charge of everything that makes life wonderful. But that chemical has to be a little bit less powerful than the others, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can't be walking across a busy intersection or you can't be, um, you know, you can't be having a picnic on the edge of a river and a crocodile is approaching you and it's a debate, you know, <laughs> keep eating, keep eating the delicious hummus or run. It can't be like a go back and forth. You just have to run. So because of this, we need permission from our society to rest and let go. We need safe spaces. Mm. We need noises that are not frightening. We need to be, we need to feel safe and we need to feel as though we have some permission as well, societal permission to do this. So um, part of what restorative yoga is all about is setting up those conditions that make that possible. Mm -hmm. And of course, in a traditional society, most traditional societies kind of figured out that if you work seven days a week constantly and you're always stressed out, people get really sick and it's a big problem. Right. 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 But we kind of don't have anything anymore. We don't have a day off work where nobody works. Right. And uh, I remember when nobody worked on Sundays Right. and you, you kind of by midday you get bored and then you rest because even Mm -hmm. if you wanted to go to the, what would it be at the time video store or the candy shop? I was little, even if you wish you could buy a new carton of milk, you can't. And so it just gives you that permission to actually wind down. And so I just think we all need to pick a new day that works for everybody's religion. You know, Tuesday work, I'm not sure, but we don't have that right now in our society. So then as a result of that, as a result of that, um, we are kind of in a situation where 
we can't really have access to this in the same way that we would have in the past. So, well, it's interesting I don't know if that's because, clear. because um, I, you're totally, you're totally right. There was a time where, yeah, nothing was opened on Sunday and whether it was religious reasons or whatever, it did cause us to slow down and rest, have family time, social time that we wouldn't have during the week. And I'm as guilty as the next person's, you know, Saturday or Sunday comes along and it's like, if I have work to do, I, I will sit down at my desk. I'm getting better at saying that Saturday and Sunday are playtime. Mm -hmm. I'm a seven on the Enneagram, so I have to have playtime. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> but it's, but it's, um, it's hard because our, our culture is also so uh, result oriented that we have to work and get results. Yes. And so then just to be becomes difficult. I, I mean, you couldn't, I couldn't say that any better. You know, we, well, it's kind of interesting. You know, the model that we live with to a certain degree is capitalism. And I think capitalism is based on an illusion and I'm probably quoting somebody and I apologize to that person because I forget who you are. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know, capitalism is based on this illusion that you can make infinite wealth on a mm. finite planet. Mm. And I really think that that metaphor also transfers to us. And we tend to think of ourselves as people who can go on infinitely rather than understanding that we have a finite body. You know, I don't think our imaginations are finite. I don't think our spiritual life is finite, right. but our body is finite, just like the earth. And we actually don't have unlimited resources. And so restorative yoga is really about internalizing this recognition in getting comfortable with it and embracing it. And then understanding once we embrace that limitation, we nourish ourselves and ironically, we do live longer and we do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I can't promise that, but we're healthier and yeah. we have more from that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, it, you know, I talked, or as I was introducing the podcast, I was talking about awareness and it really is about being aware of what our body needs and yeah. what our mind needs, what our heart needs you know, our, our, our intuition knows, but we don't always pay attention to our intuition. Our intuition is saying, okay, stop, take a break, settle down. And if I don't, then I get sick. I burn out. I got to crash. It's like, but when I, when I do pay attention to the rhythm of my body, because you're right, my body is finite. It's limited. It's stuck in time and space, but my spirit's not. And it has to pay attention to, okay, how are you taking care of your body? How, how, what are you doing? And I really like, I, you know, I, I guess I thought of restorative yoga more as um, a type of yoga that if you were injured or um, your body wasn't quite flexible, that you would, it, it supported your body, but it's so mm. much more than that, isn't it? It really is. So first of all, um, restorative yoga was kind of invented by, I'm sure that there was always some form of this, but Iyengar yoga, the school of Iyengar yoga is mm -hmm. something that brought restorative yoga into the forefront 
BKS Iyengar as well as Gita Iyengar. And I really, um, I'm not an Iyengar teacher, but I really appreciate the way that they lay out. There's a certain order for practice. So you start with the ethical principles and the, the sort of restrictions. Then you move to stretching. Then you move to, you know, incorporating your breath in the stretching. And then you move to something called like Pratyahara, which is sort of the turning within of the senses. And then that will prepare you for deeper pranayama breath work, for um, deeper meditation practices. So they would actually present this all in stages. Mm-hmm. And the idea would be everybody needs this. This is part of the journey of harmony with mind and body. Mm. So it comes from that. Um, and I hope that I got all those. I don't think I got all those stages exactly right, but you can, you know, um, any good book on Iyengar yoga, will will talk mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from, from there, you know, in a modern context, pretty much everyone's exhausted. Yeah. Almost everybody is on sensory overload. Everybody's at risk of getting lots of disease, you know, you know, bad colds now mm-hmm. COVID, you know, all this kind of stuff. So you take something that was designed for everybody and then you also move it further, given that we might even need it more now than we did when it was sort of originally created. But yes, there's been some really interesting innovations that have come with restorative yoga. And if somebody is like really, really sick, that might be the only yoga that they practice. Hmm. But all of us also, it would be seen as we all can use this to come back into balance. And I don't think I even knew when I started at about 23, how exhausted I was, you know, um, um, I couldn't believe like my sleep improved, my, my immunity improved dramatically. I went from having sort of two really bad colds a year to one small one a year. Mm. Um, my eyesight improved, my muscular tension went way down. So it's just, it's really, I think instead of thinking it as, there for you when you're sick, it's almost like there for you to help you rebalance, there for you to help rebalance a system that needs help to rebalance. So, so it's really like, um, preventative. It's like, yes, it's helping to build my body to be stronger to withstand. Now it doesn't mean that I, you know, go out and get totally overloaded with work or whatever. It's like, it just balances my body. And and I think that I know from my own experience when I've had those times where I'm, I'm in balance, I'm also much more aware of uh, my limitations in terms of what I can and can't do. And so I'm not as uh, likely to jump into something that's going to totally exhaust me, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's and interesting. Enjoy. Hmm? Sorry, so, go ahead. And I was going to just continue that in terms of, you know, when you're talking about sensory overload and we were just talking before about, um, um, you know, I said to you, well, I, I've really been off social media for a while because I find it's just too much information for me. It's like at mm-hmm. a certain point, it's like my head's spinning and um, I have to stop. It's like, I need to back away and mm-hmm be still and just be quiet. 
be quiet mm-hmm. not have mm-hmm. all of those those stories in my head so um and and you know it's so funny because the social pressure is oh my goodness well how can you not be paying attention to social media oh, so I know. it's really it's really a, a double-edged sword in terms of uh the pressure yeah i think social media is a tremendous pressure i mean i don't want to be on it at all and yet i i feel that to a certain degree i have to because that's right. how people want to find me and get to know me so at least then to try to create some sort of pattern but then you know even the light of that is disruptive and but it's just you know i feel as though in a way it's just another extension of this problem we're we're in it as a society where it's like keep growing, keep doing more, keep being more, but that's not how things work. You know, things, things work in balance because there's only so much. That's right. That's right. I, I, I just read a, a great book. I think you would really like it. It's called Rook. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just going to turn off my uh, airplane mode and find it for you because it's, it's a, it's a set like, five or 600 years in the future and technology has just blown the world apart. Like there's no technology left. There's nothing left of it. And um, people live with the remnants of it. Sorry. I'm just, I'm trying to talk and find the name of this book. Um, Book. And um it's so interesting because people find plastic things mm-hmm. and they like they find a plastic bottle with coke written on it mm-hmm. or diet coke they don't know what diet means they don't mm-hmm. know what that word means it's by um let me see here it's by uh Sharon Cameron mm-hmm. but it really it really speaks to there's a real tension in the book about the pressure of more, 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 more satellites, mm-hmm. everything. And then going back to a very simple life and it worked. It, I mean, it, in the, in the story, it works, but it's a really interesting sociological study of, you know, where we are now with technology overload and, and I am not against technology. I love technology. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's not that at all, but I just think in terms of the pressure on us and, um, the expectation that we are so involved in it. And I think something like restorative yoga just sounds like a wonderful thing um, to really help us to, to chill, to, to really bring our body into balance. It's been my main, like not my, not my only practice. I've had other practices, but it's been a practice I've had almost every day for I guess about 22 years now. Wow. And I just, no matter what is going on, you know, it's been a way for me to recharge. Mm. And I usually practice kind of at the midpoint of the day when you tend to get tired anyway. And mm-hmm. then from there, it's like I have something fresh to bring to the evening. But it's also just this kind of reckoning I find in this world that's sort of out of control where. I go back to my mat and then I, I remember, oh, wait a minute, you know, I just have one body. I have to take care of it. 
And the other thing about restorative yoga is it's not a very idealistic practice. Like you bring whatever's going on in your mind and heart to the practice. And mm. one of my favorite quotes from the Tao Te Ching is, um, I have just three things to teach, simplicity, patience, and compassion. Hmm. simple in thoughts and actions you return to the source of being patient with friends and enemies you make peace with the way things are compassionate towards yourself you reconcile all beings in the world so beautiful you come to the mat and maybe you're feeling irritable or maybe you're feeling um manic or maybe you're feeling jealous or or maybe you're ruminating or whatever it is And you can kind of bear witness to that. And then, but you set yourself up in this wonderful pose or wonderful practice, you bear witness to that. And then you let go with compassion. Hmm. And I really think it's kind of like, as you're resting your body, you're sort of making friends with the human experience. And it's, Hmm. I think a really wonderful preparation for any kind of meditation practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also... I think a gateway into self-understanding because Mm -hmm. when I'm normally not at ease with myself, Mm -hmm. which is probably when I'm doing something that's not particularly helpful for me or others. Mm -hmm. And I know Crystal, you have so many amazing backgrounds, math and, and also psychotherapy, right? So, so what I would normally do is I would do something that's probably not helpful, Mm -hmm. right? I might, Mm -hmm scroll social media out of jealousy, or I might get two score bars and eat them really quickly. Or I might over schedule myself for like three weeks straight, because then I feel great about how much I'm doing or whatever it is. And, but the act of setting yourself up in something so comfortable gives you something in that moment to look forward to, which is healthy. Yeah. And that is wonderful because then you have this opportunity to, without judging yourself, without being hard on yourself, Mm -hmm. without doing anything particularly intense, you're reviving your health, you're reviving your rest levels, you're sending yourself kindness and you're extremely comfortable and it's okay Mm -hmm. if you fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. all of that is just such a homey, down to earth, welcoming practice that I just think helps us to de-escalate the patterns of stress we're, we're going in, the directions we're going in, both biochemically, you know, yeah. just from yeah. a basic perspective, but also mentally and emotionally as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a daily de-escalation or a chance to re-divert, well, at least for me. And I think it's even useful if you do it once a month, you know, whatever you decide to do, it's this opportunity to do something new while also kind of healing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's really, for me, what it, what it taps into is that it's all about awareness, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It always goes back to awareness that when you pause and you on the mat and you're, you're paying attention to what is happening inside, Mm -hmm. you realize that, Oh, I can just let that go. I can let Mm -hmm. that go and just be still. And, you know, a lot of people I work with, 
struggle with that stream of consciousness, you know, all the thoughts back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and get caught in the tangle of their thoughts as if they're real Mm -hmm. and and can't stop those thoughts. But Mm -hmm. something like this, I think, is probably a great way to really still, not so much still the mind as much as not get tangled in it. That's exactly it. So, you know, sometimes people have these really amazing practices like we all do. It's like you're it's like the same thing. Like I love brownies, but there's three of my whole life that were the best. You know, it's like sometimes you can have this practice where you it you just luck out with this yeah. incredible moment where your mind is relatively still and you feel happy mm-hmm. and you go deep in your practice. Mm-hmm. So that's like a peak experience, but what I try to get everyone to understand every day is that, you know, your mind could be doing this yes. and you don't need to change it or fight with it. You just let go. And if it, if you come back faster, you let go again, but yes. you don't even have to get in there. You don't have to do anything. Just be proud of yourself and know that you are rebalancing and that you are um, doing something wonderful, you know, and whether you are really stressed out that day or very relaxed And the other thing is to, then we we come into a position of having the opportunity to kind of make peace with our mind or be friends with our mind and Mm -hmm. say, Mm -hmm. okay, you know, I see that I'm really feeling extremely vulnerable right now. And I'm, you know, wow, you know, me and the whole human race, it's a tough day today. And to just have that compassion. And then when we rest, there can be this kind of I, I will sometimes say to my students, I feel like it's a stew on the oven that just really slowly bubbling, Mm -hmm. you know, you might be going through a thick period where you have a lot of emotion or stress to deal with. And so you might not experience a lot of change in that say 20 minute period, but sometimes you do, sometimes you go in, in one way and you kind of come out the other way, Mm -hmm. but, um, either way, it's like to just make friends with this complicated system we have without needing to listen to it at all times. And then you start with yourself, but it's easier than to empathize with what other people are going through as well. So, yeah. And I, I think that for me, it's about not not judging Mm -hmm. and being curious because when we judge, if, if the thoughts are going through my head and I'm thinking, oh, I shouldn't be thinking about this right now, mm-hmm. I'm judging what's happening as opposed to, well, isn't it curious that all this is going through my mind mm-hmm. and there's, there's, a mo- there's more grace in that than there is in judgment. Judgment's like, bang, it's like I shut it down mm-hmm. and I might feel badly because I'm judging it as opposed mm-hmm. to being curious, keeps my mind open and, um, and who knows, as things pass, something amazing could go through my mind. So mm-hmm. I'm not judging it as opposed to, I, I'm, I'm keeping my, my curiosity key mm. so that mm-hmm. my brain is, stays active. As soon as I judge, mm-hmm. it's like my brain says, okay, that's it. Okay, we're done. I don't have to work anymore. Yeah, like going underground. It's like, I feel yeah. like what you're talking about is the kind of going underground and yeah, like I, I feel as though, um, oh, what was I going to, I wanted to dovetail on what you were saying and now I'm kind of, um, um, I know it'll come back to me, but I'm, I'm losing it in this moment. That's <laughs> okay. Anyway, I that. do think that it sounds like really what, what you're talking about is 
being able to be aware to release and be curious and then just be able to settle into that that relaxed state that healing state really yeah that's exactly it oh and i know what i, I was gonna say is that Yes, that's it. And I sometimes say, you know, sometimes we use really big words in yoga, like enlightenment or compassion or even empathy. Mm. Sometimes that really feels like a tall order, you know, for people. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes what I just say is maybe not all of us can be compassionate in this moment. But we all know how to be gentle. You know, yeah. we all know how to be gentle. So to just to be, to be able to be gentle with ourselves, yes. gentle with the mind not needed to change anything. And then at the same time, just putting the focus on resting and letting go into these wonderful supports and letting that take the center stage mm -hmm. without needing to necessarily um, engage in what's happening in our mind, but without at the same time, as you say, shutting it down because mm -hmm. the mind is also a treasure. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the heart. So yeah, that's really, that's really the deeper side of all of this is having that opportunity to do that usually at the beginning when people start they're just so exhausted that in right. a way they don't notice right away they're just so glad to get some rest and then later it's like you're starting to meet more of yourself on the mat yeah and yeah. that's really valuable as well so 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 how do people get started well um i would say there's lots of different ways I find students get started. You can go to a restorative class. I did write an article mm -hmm. called how to look for a good restorative class, because there's a lot of restorative classes out there where there's been some sort of confusion with yin yoga. They're, mm. they're, they, they're called restorative, but the people offering them are just doing something different, which is not mm -hmm. bad, but it's not necessarily this if you want to do the practice. Mm -hmm. So you can always reach out for to a person like me and ask for a class that might be happening in your area. Um, I'd be happy to connect you with somebody local. Um, my teacher, Judith Hansen Lasseter, has a website. I, I don't know if she has it anymore, but I think she does, called Restorative Yoga Teachers, and it gives locations of teachers all over the place. Mm -hmm. I, I have some people who will also do a private class so that they can figure mm -hmm. out how to use the props. Mm -hmm. um, and the neat thing is that you can go and buy yourself a bunch of props, but you can also figure out the good things to use from around your house, like pillows and bolsters. I have um, a couple of videos about that on Yoga International. So you can sign up, I think, for free for one week and check out some of those videos. And then mm -hmm. some people will honestly just jump, jump into something deeper. So I sometimes find if people have gone through a lot of stress or they know that they're really exhausted, um, that they will jump into something like a teacher training and it's really more for them than to do the training. Right. Um, so yeah. I think there's many, many ways to begin and doing a class is great because the teacher kind of gives permission and space to rest and has expertise, mm -hmm. but you can also practice on your own. Um, mm -hmm you can find a really, really comfortable position. Like for example, a really easy one would be legs over the couch. Hmm. So you fold a blanket up, say underneath your back, make sure your upper leg is on a diagonal. So you don't want to be right angle. You want your upper leg to be on a di diagonal, put um, a pillow under your head, but also support the base of your neck, mm -hmm. um, cover your eyes and cover your body with a blanket and set a timer for 20 minutes. And 
you know, go into deep relaxation. I mean, you could, hmm. you could start any moment and, and do that 20, 30 minutes a day to begin. I did 45 minutes to an hour when I was starting out hmm. with restorative. Um, and um, so there's many, many ways to begin. The way I began is that I was in a teacher training. So I kind of jumped in. Right. So my beginning was kind of the more extreme way, but you can do any of these things. And I have many, many, many um, students who have done all kinds of things to begin. Cool. So, um, so people can, can people find that article on your website? Yeah. On my website, there is a number of blog entries, including articles. Um, and I've also published a number of articles with yoga international. Okay. Um, and you can, they've allowed me to repost some of those on my blog as well. So there's, yeah, there should be all of my available articles are on my website. You go to the blog page and you can find those things and resources to help you start practicing. Fantastic. And um, I understand you have um, an event coming up in a, in a couple of weeks in Brampton. Yeah, so we're going to do a restorative yoga and also yoga asana weekend mm -hmm. where people can choose between signing up for one or two workshops or turning it into a weekend retreat where we'll do a total of five workshops. Cool. And the goal is deep relaxation as well as some kind of postural stuff on hips and low back, mm -hmm. things that tend to bother us, especially in the winter months. Mm -hmm. um, so if you do the full retreat, it'll be like a day retreat. Um, the, the aura house yoga studio where I'll be going is fantastic. It's a, it's a heritage building that used to be a shoe factory in the oh, 1800s. Cool. It's really cool. And it's a really big, beautiful space. Um, so you can turn the whole thing into a retreat and do the whole weekend. And in that case, there's a few extra offerings, or you could take a look and, and drop in uh, to a restorative yoga class that I'll be offering at that time. And then I'm also offering a teacher training in restorative yoga in Montreal at Luna Yoga in April. Fantastic. So for our listeners, um, you will find Andrea's website um, posted on the podcast page and you can learn um, about these things that she's offering. And um, we'll put the link for international yoga as well on sure. for people to um to get some more information as well as from your website. So any That's last great. words, this has been great. Oh, well, I'm just so grateful to, you know, get a chance to be on this podcast with you. You're such a knowledgeable and amazing person and healer yourself. So thank you so much for having me, Crystal. And, and, uh, I look forward to being a listener of this podcast as well. Great. Thank you so much. So I, as, um, as 2023 begins, I'm inviting people, my listeners, to uh, start 2023 by uncovering their blind spots and habitual unconscious patterns and discovering the growing edge of your soul's learning. So the, the journey, uh, this journey will take you behind your personality and behind the mask of your essence. So this involves my Enneagram program. And if you're interested, uh, my new website is being launched, so you can have a look at that with all the details of my programs. So I want to thank you for being here, my listeners, and I hope that um, 2023 is starting out as um, a, a great new adventure and a, and a new part of your journey. So see you next time. Bye.